Bhagavad Gita is a book of mankind's collected experience of and answers to life's most basic questions. Who I am? From where do I come? What is my purpose and destiny? And most practically, how do I find happiness? These podcasts originate in the lectures of Neil Bhatt, a disciple of Swami Chinmayananda. They are presented here in 20 to 30 minute segments, each covering three of the Gita's 701 verses. Welcome to Gita Wisdom for Daily Living. We will be discussing Bhagavad Gita Chapter 1, Arjuna Vishadi Yoga, Yoga of Arjuna's Grief. In our scriptural system, there are two types of scriptures. They are divided into two major categories. One is called Shruti, the other is called Smriti. Shruti means heard and Smriti means remembered. So the scriptures which are considered heard by the great sages in their contemplation, in their inspired moments, and then given out to the world, are considered shrutis. And then based on those scriptures, the truths found in those scriptures in shruti, the system in the society, the laws of society, the customs and traditions of society, which are developed by the scriptures, are called smrutis. So, Shrutis are typically considered the prasthanatri, the three legs of Shruti. One is the Upanishads, which we have all learned. They come at the end of the Vedas. Vedas generally describe all types of sciences, which are in nature utilitarian or material, which one can use in his lifetime. But at the end of the Veda, there are dialogues between students and teachers. They are called Upanishads. They deal with this fundamental question we all ask, knowingly or unknowingly, who am I? Is there someone who has control over my life? And what is my relationship with that controller? So they are called Upanishads. So these are dialogues between students and teachers. But they are set in an environment of a serene Himalayan valleys, and both students and teachers are highly evolved seekers. The teacher is a realized master who has gone through his sadhana and realized what the truth is. Student is also a highly evolved seeker who has gone through sadhana and now finding his final answers. So those are shruti. The truths in shrutis are immutable. Another, they cannot be changed. Over a period of time, from one age to another, the Sruti does not change. The truths revealed in Srutis do not change. Smriti, on the other hand, are the laws created by society, by the leaders of the society, the lawmakers in the society, are adaptable to the new environment in the society. So the two mains we hear about are Parasara and Manusmriti. And mainly Manusmriti is the one which we hear most, we heard most about. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, the laws in India before independence and somewhat after the independence were structured based on Manusmriti. There are two laws. Laws for Hindus were Hindu laws and they were based on Manusmriti. And laws for Muslims were based on Sariya. So the Manusmriti was considered the code of conduct for the society. And as we know, that we don't 
apply Manusmati as is in our society now, even in India. The laws have changed, society has changed. The basic structure may remain what Manusmati says, but a lot of things we have updated to fit with our current needs. On the other hand, the facts revealed in Sruti are unchangeable. It is something like I can use mathematics in my life right from my childhood to my old age. Depending on my own needs, I'll interpret mathematics accordingly. But the fundamentals of mathematics do not change. Two plus two remain four. When I was in my KG, it still remains four. When I'm an old man, and consider myself to be a wise person. The spiritual tenets in Shruti are like those rules, which are unchangeable. They remain constant no matter how you look at it, how you try to prove it. But the application of those laws can change according to society. So mathematics, the way I used in my childhood is different than when I used as a high school student, then as a college student, and then as a professional are different. My applications are different based on my own situation. So smriti are like those adaptable sciences, which we can update as we go along in our society. So manusmriti, maybe the fundamentals may remain same, but the application is completely changed in our society now. So there are three aspects of the smriti. Upanishad as we talked about, Brahma Sutra, and third is Bhagavad Gita. So Bhagavad Gita is considered Upanishad by itself, and therefore at the end of every chapter we'll say Upanishad so Bhagavad Gita so it's considered Upanishad by itself because it reveals the truths which are revealed in Sruti. So it's considered part of the Sruti. The uniqueness of Bhagavad Gita is is also considered Smriti. It's both. It's a combination of Sruti and Smriti. Therefore, it has a unique place in Prasthantri. In a Prasthantri, if you just learn Upanishads, they are transcendental. It transcends my day-to-day life. It really tells me what the ultimate truth is and how it relates to me. And they are set in a very serene environment, as I have said before. Bhagavad Gita, on the other hand, is completely in a different environment. It's still dialogue between a student and a teacher, but here the student and teacher are also not a great master in a lowly seeker who is now trying to understand. They were two friends. It's a dialogue between two friends or two cousins. One was great, but he did not act like one when it comes to his friendship with his friend. So it's a dialogue between two equals set in an environment which is completely different from Himalayan valleys. It's on the battlefield. So some commentators think that the whole Mahabharata was written by Bhagwan Vedvyas to have a platform for Bhagavad Gita. To have a Bhagavad Gita, he had to have a proper background to convert that into a scripture which can guide mankind. So, entire Mahabharata, which is 100,000 verses, as we now know, was originally started out as 
book called Jaya, and it has only 24,000 verses, but it did have Bhagavad Gita in it. So, Bhagavad Gita is the central crown jewel of Mahabharata. Mahabharata became the greatest epic of all times for Hindu culture and for India and for the world because of Bhagavad Gita. You remove Bhagavad Gita and Mahabharata becomes another story of a Kuru clan. You know. At the same token, you remove Mahabharata and Bhagavad Gita becomes merely a poetry, something similar to Upanishads. So they have a symbiotic relationship, the Mahabharata and Bhagavad Gita. Mahabharata converts Bhagavad Gita into a smriti which can be used in a day-to-day life. Mahabharata gives us the background of human society, a human conditions, human aspirations, human shortcomings. So it is generally said that Mahabharata contains all human situations. If you don't find that situation in Mahabharata, it does not exist. You may find the situation you find in Mahabharata in other works of art, but not other way around. So, Mahabharata sets the stage, and we all know the story. So, there is nothing really much to talk about how we get to the point where the war was about to begin. We all know the story, Kauravas and Pandavas are cousins, they were fighting for the rights, and Duryodhana said, I'm not giving even a even square inch of a land, even though rightfully Pandavas were the claimant for that kingdom. The war is about to begin, and we are now going to see a dialogue between Krishna and Arjuna, because we all know the background story. So in the first chapter called Arjuna Vishadi Yoga, there are no great philosophical revelations. You know. So therefore one should not seek for philosophical explanations in chapter 1. Bhagavan Shankaracharya in his Gita Bhasya, he does not even start Bhasya till verse 11 of chapter 2. He didn't think it was worth his time to talk about chapter 1 and the first 10 verses of chapter 2. But for us common folks, Context is very important. Without context, we lose the meaning of what we are discussing. So we need to have context. It is very important to know the context. Chapter 1 gives us the context for the dialogue which is going to take place between Krishna and Arjuna. So as we now know, Krishna and Arjuna are the two main characters in this dialogue. But there are two other people who were involved in Bhagavad Gita. One is Dhritarashtra and another is Sanjaya. Dhritarashtra, as we know, was the emperor of Hastinapur or king of Hastinapur and Duryodhana and other 19 and Kaurava, his sons. And he could have avoided this war by just his own declaration, but he did not. He was blind from his birth and therefore he was not considered worthy of being the king, but because the situation occurred with Pandu, the younger son, he was made the caretaker king. And Duryodhana became the effective king, like MBS in Saudi Arabia. So, Duryodhana was the actual guy who was making the decisions. And he obviously was not going to give up the kingdom, which he has already been enjoying for last so many years. 
So when the war is about to begin, Dhritarashtra is still sitting in the palace because he's not taking part in the war. But he's curious about what's going on. He knew that on the Kaurava side there are 11 Akshoni Sena. Pandava side is 7 Akshoni Sena. So 11 plus 7, 18. So you will see the 18 is a magic number for some reason. There are 18 Parvas in Mahabharat. There are 18 books in Mahabharat. The war lasted 18 days. There are 18 chapters in Bhagavad Gita. And apparently one Aksoni has 21,870 chariots, the same amount of elephants, three times that of horses, and five times that of foot soldiers. If you take any of these numbers and add those digits, they will add to 18. You take those numbers, 21870, and add up, add up to 18. You take multiply that by 3, and they add up to 18 again. Multiply that by 5. So if you do the math, there were about 4 million people on that battlefield. Now, I know, I've never been to Kurukshetra, so I can't tell you whether they're large enough to hold 4 million people or not. But according to this calculation, there were about 4 million soldiers ready to fight. Now the war is about to begin. Dhritarashtra knew that his side is much stronger, 11 Aksoni Sena, whereas Pandava is only 7. But he also knew who is on the right side and who was on the wrong side. So that gives you a little bit of a pause in thinking what is going to happen. He wanted to know what's going on, and he had an opportunity. The day before Bhagavan Vedvya stopped, by his palace and say, you really need to see what's happening. And I can give you divine vision so that you can see that. But he said, I'm comfortable in my blindness. I really don't want to see. But if you're really kind enough, give it to my minister Sanjaya, the Divya Drashti. Sanjaya get the divine vision. Now, we do not know how all that happened. Maybe Sanjaya was on the battlefield and reported back. But it is believed that Sanjay has this divine reason. Not only he can see things which are happening on the battlefield, but he can also see what's going on in people's mind. He can hear, he can see, and he can perceive. Therefore, it's called Divya Drashti, because he has much greater capacity than average person, or even average person who has an Ati Drashti. He can see even further than a normal person. So Dhritarashtra knew that Sanjaya can see everything. So the very first verse starts with Dhritarashtra Vacha. So you can see that Bhagavad Gita did not stand with Krishna Vacha or Bhagwan Vacha or Arjuna Vacha. It started with Dhritarashtra Vacha. Dhritarashtra is the blind king. These characters are there in chapter 1 and in Mahabharata so we can identify with their situation. I may not be able to identify the Arjuna, but I can probably identify Dhritarashtra as a father. Maybe I have done something what Dhritarashtra did, and therefore he suffered. Maybe something I need to learn from this. So characters in Mahabharata teach you how to look at this world and what will be outcome if you act in this manner. They're the only time Dhritarashtra says anything in Bhagavad Gita, but he gets the ball rolling. He starts the dialogue. Dharma Kshetre, Kurukshetre, Samaveta, Yuyutsavaha, Mamakaha, Pandavaha, Cha Eva, Kimakurvata Sanjaya. Very simple meaning. At the battlefield of Kurukshetra, which is Dharma Kshetra. 
a field to exercise your dharma. That's a dharma kshetra. For you and I, our workplace is a dharma kshetra. My dharma is an architect. I can only practice in next door in NBG architecture. That's the dharma kshetra for architect Nilpat. Not vision center. Wherever I can practice my dharma is my dharma kshetra. For kshatriyas, fighting a righteous war is dharma and therefore kurukshetra is dharma kshetra. Samaveta yuyutsavaha. They are assembled together and very anxious to fight. Mamakaha pandavaha cha eva. Mine and pandava. The operative word here is mamakaha. It indicates his worldview. Mine and yours. Mamakaha pandava. This is how we live our life. Our life is this is me and mine. Rest is the world. I am constant in a competition with that. So even though both were the descendants of Kuru, they don't call the Pandu sons as Kauravas. Only Dhritarashtra and Kauravas. Description right there. Pandu sons. Okay. Pandavaha. Minor Kauravaha. Kuru's descendants. Establishing the right. Whose right it is on the Kuru's kingdom. Mamakaha Pandava. Mine, my children and Pandu's children, what are they doing? Simple question and then Sanjay gives the comment. So rest of the Bhagavad Gita we heard through Sanjaya's vision. What Sanjaya saw and understood is what we heard. Even though it's a Bhagavan Vacha, it is Sanjaya saying what Bhagavan said. And so Arjuna Vacha is Sanjaya saying what Arjuna said. And in the end he concludes what will happen. So Sanjaya Vacha. Drishtvatu Pandavanikam Vyudham Duryodhanathada Acharyam Upasangamya Raja Vachanam Abravit. Duryodhan is addressed as Raja. In fact, you king. He was the one who was in charge of this war. So he was the effective king and therefore Sanjay addressed him as Raja. Having seen the army of the Pandavas drawn up in a battle array, King Duryodhana then approached his teacher Drona and spoke these words. Now we are seeing the activity. Both armies are facing each other. They are ready, but war is not declared yet, so therefore they cannot do anything. But Duryodhana getting ruthless, he goes to his teacher, Drona. Now Drona is not even in charge of the army. Bhishma is in charge of the army. Drona, Bhishma, Arjuna, Krishna, they were considered Ati Maharathi. So they were like gradations of Ati Rathi can face 6,000 archers, Maharathi can face 11,000 archers and Ati Maharathi can 12 Maharathis. So, Drona was one of those. Bhishma and Drona were way above the normal Maharathis. So he goes to Drona. All of them learned this art of warfare from Drona. So he goes to Drona and says, Pasyetam Pandra, O teacher, look at this mighty army of the sons of Pandu arrayed by the son of Drupada, one who has arranged war formation. Thy wise disciple. A little jab at Drona. Had you not given this knowledge to Drupad's son and Pandu's son, so we won't be in this situation right now. Also be careful because what you know, he also knows. He's your student. So both Drupad's sons and Pandu's sons have learned the art of warfare from Drona 
And sometimes we now know that the master may be getting old and feeble and the young student may be more powerful and has new ideas. You know. So he said, be careful. Look at the army, how well arranged it is on Pandu's side. Which can be seen as insecurities on Duryodhana's side. He knew he had the 11 Aksoni Sena, much larger than Pandu's. But he also knew that the enemy side is not weak by any means. Great people like Krishna is on that side, Arjuna is on that side, and also all others. So let's not be careless about how we're going to fight this war just because we have a larger army. Atrasura Maheshwasa Bhima Arjuna Samayudhi. It is basically giving you the situation, what's happening. We have learned from teachers like Swami Chinmananda that Mahabharata may be just an analogy of what happens in our life. That, that our life is the Mahabharata war and there are many wicked ideas which we have in our mind. There are very few good ideas to fight those wicked ideas. So they represent the Kauravas and Pandavas. And this Mahabharata war is constantly going on. In this, we can see there are a variety of people and variety of ideas which are supporting us. So Here are heroes, mighty archers, equal in battle to Bhima and Arjuna. They are, as I said, they are considered Bhima and Arjuna. They were considered like Mahamaharathis. They were, they were Ati Maharathi, whatever we call it. They are above any average Maharathi. Virata and Drupada. In other words, each one is commanding one battalion. You, you need to be careful about it. Now, most of us know uh, Mahabharata at least from the B.R. Chopra's series. And I've never read Mahabharata. Because in our family, they said, oh, if you read Mahabharata at home, there will be Mahabharata in your house. <laughs> so you can't have Mahabharata in your house. I do have Raj Gopalachari's Mahabharata, though, but I consider that as second-hand version, not a real Mahabharata. Krishna gave his Narayani Sena to Duryodhana also, but not all of them. I think some of the battalion chiefs, like Satyaki was one of them, he decided he's not going to fight with God. He's going to... But he cannot take his battalion. By himself, he will be on this side. So Drupada, obviously Arjuna and all Pandura's father-in-law, so he was on this side and his sons. So Drustaketuhu, Chekitanaha, Kasirajaha, Chaviryan. These are all considered the great warriors of their time. And there he said, well, look at them. They're on the Pandu's side. Don't underestimate them just because they're smaller army. Purujitaha, Kunti Bojahacha, Saibyascha, Narapungavaha. They're the best among men, all these people. When I was first learning Hindi, my teacher said that if you can spell Drustadhumna, you're done. You can spell anything and pronounce anything. So Drustaketu is one of them. Difficult to pronounce. Once you get the hang of it, other words will be easy. Chekitan. I think they're all Panchal's warriors. Kasiraj. Kasiraj was considered a great warrior. Kasiraj is a Viryavan, a very powerful Kasiraj. Purujut Kintibecha Saibyascha Narapungavaha. They're all the great among men. They're great warriors. Right now, he's not concerned about how good people they are. How great warriors they are. So Narapungava, they're great warriors. Yudhamanyuscha Vikrantaha Uttabhaujascha Viryavan. I think these are two brothers, Yudhamanyu and Uttabhauj. And they were given the duty to protect Arjuna's chariot from one from left side, one from right side. 
their chariots will run to side. Subhadra Draupadeyascha and Subhadra's sons and Draupadi Sarvayeva Maharataha. None of them are just ordinary warriors. They are all great Maharathis. So the scenario is now clear. They are ready to fight. Duryodhan seems slightly insecure. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukina Sarve Santu Niramayaha Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Ma Kaschit Dukkha Bhagbave Om Shantihi 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 Harihi Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Harihi Om